Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and today I'm not only joined by my co-host, Kyle. Welcome back to the show, Kyle. Haven't been here for a while. Um, but yeah, I, thank you. Yeah, but we're also joined um, by the Old World's own, the producer of Woofrup, Welcome back to the show, Padraig Murphy. How you doing, Padraig? Great. Thanks for having me back on. I'm delighted. We're excited to have you. A lot of people, you know, that listen to our show probably know who you are. But for those that don't, who are you and what do you do in the Warhammer community? Uh, so I'm the producer on Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay for Cubicle 7 Games. So um, I basically oversee the whole project of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Um, new books, uh, new new gaming stuff like for the VTTs and accessories, um, and the Enemy Within, obviously, which is our big uh, campaign we've been slogging through over the last couple of years. So um, I've been working on that since 2019. Um, so yeah, that's essentially when it comes to Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, um, that, that's my current baby, along with a, a great team supporting us as well, of course. Um, so that's that is what I do. Uh, everything that you like and don't like about Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, probably my fault on some level. <laughs> so that's me. Nice. So this show format is going to be a little bit different. We're going to jump into the meat of the show in a little bit here. But throughout the show, um, we are going to have different questions that have come from uh, the old, old worlders, from our patron members and stuff throughout. This format is going to be a quasi uh, interview sort of format, but we have a few questions to get us started right off the top. So Kyle, you want to lead us off? I actually have a question as well. Do you have like a personal species slash career that you just think is so awesome? Like, like what is your favorite? Great. Like question. if you, if, if you were to play a career and play in a campaign, what do you think you would pick? Oh, um, I, I feel so on the one hand I feel like I'm obligated to go Ratcatcher is great and the Ratcatcher is great um it's a really fun <laughs> career and I like starting from the bottom of things and and uh dragging my way up I liked poacher um back in the day I really there, there's a lot of nice places to go from poacher but I also just liked being a poacher and you know kind of intruding onto noble lands having that as your background and <laughs> running off with a deer felt good um but when I play I I so these days I found myself playing a lot of wizards and sometimes if I don't have a little bit of magic to hand, it can feel like, I, you know, I, there's a tool in my arsenal that's not there. And it doesn't matter how good I am at other things, uh, you know, being sneaky or, or, or you know, really charming. It, like if you can't kind of go, all right, we're burning this whole building down. <laughs> you, <laughs> that's what you can are, happen next if it doesn't go my way. You know, you, you are speaking my language right now because I, I feel the same way. I just feel I feel drawn to the other magical aspects of Warhammer just because I feel like I'm not there's so much good content that we'll talk about later that I just feel like I'm missing out on something. Yeah, that's essentially it. Like and I mean it probably feels like that for people for for people in the world of Warhammer. Like when right. you meet a wizard, there's an unseen world they know about and they can use it to do really terrifying things. And right. sometimes it gets out of their control. And it's all a bit weird, and there's like a whole hidden, obscure aspect to that. And I like being the wizard, the inside knowledge, you know, being like, oh yeah, 
the winds are blowing weird around here. I'm worried, guys. <laughs> you know, it's, it's cool to be in that position. So I do like being a wizard, which is awesome. Maybe That's a awesome. very boring answer, but I enjoy it a lot. And so, just jumping into our first, uh, our first old worlder question here, um, Alexander R wants to know, kind of going back to to your intro, uh, what do you actually do? as the producer is it more of an administrative position or do you have like quote unquote artistic and creative leeway it's a mix of both so i've i've a, the ultimate say other than um dominic mcdowell who owns cubicle 7 and is an amazing um person to have over you because he's such insight into role-playing games in general um i i have the kind of end artistic and creative um insight for you know what we're doing and what we work with games workshop to do within within the you know, within the realm of what's possible in Warhammer Fantasy. Um, so I, I do also have some administrative duties, you know, like overseeing a team of designers, getting back to artists and putting contracts together and so on as well, um, which I try to do, kind of offload as much as possible, if I'm being honest, because um, we've got some great people in Cubicle 7 who are much better at that kind of stuff than I am. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm looking at pitches, making sure, you know, that they're on brand, that they're what we want and doing what they need to do. Um, making our presentation to Games Workshop, saying like, oh, look, we want to go here and do this. We want to revive this book from, you know, the 90s that we think is class. Can we pull some stuff from that? Um, and, you know, Games Workshop are great to to work with on that kind of thing. Like, it's it's a whole company of really enthusiastic fans as well. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, I mean, I, I'm signing off on the creative and artistic stuff at the end of the day. So, uh, yeah, that's it, it's a great role. I love it. It's, it's challenging. Um, Sounds great. But yeah. it's wildly fulfilling it, it sounds I, i'm gonna say it sounds really challenging <laughs> yeah 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 there's there's days there, you know um uh, sometimes you, you think you've got something really nailed down and then you you check something out and you're like oh no this doesn't work for this reason or you know this isn't landing the way i expected and and you need to kind of like pull it back and we, we haven't really had to scrap like toss too much out and start from zero on anything but uh, it does happen where you have to go back a few steps like a piece of art isn't coming together as you wanted or, um, you know, a document is, uh, a book isn't quite hitting all the notes they needed to hit. And, uh, you know, so those days are kind of like giving a lot of, bit, you know, roughly harsh feedback um, to people, but like not trying to be harsh about it because everyone is, you know, really giving it their all. Um, but just kind of getting back on, on brief or um, just getting through things to get them out on time, you know, is always a challenge when there's deadlines in life. But you know, if we all had our own way, we'd just sit around doing one book for a year, which is not, it doesn't help us, doesn't help fans. So we just need to keep moving. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, yeah, it's challenging, but I love it. But rewarding or else your career would get boring mighty fast. Oh yeah. No time for boredom. <laughs> so, um, And then we have another question from Alexander R, which kind of goes along with my icebreaker question. What is your favorite uh, Wolfrook product? for the other editions if you know if you have one for each edition or something um yeah for sure so i think realm of sorcery for first edition is great mm-hmm. i love it um it was i it was like famously delayed i think it came out in 2001 or two <laughs> it's like delayed a um, decade. Ha- it was delayed a decade yeah. and it's quite it, it is interesting to read the, the core book and be like oh more coming on magic and realms of sorcery and then <laughs> knowing that that was a long wait for people don't but, do that um, to us Padraig. don't do that no 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 i won't <laughs> um but uh yeah the, the the magic like at the time the lore was in a slightly different place so you had all of these great other magical traditions 
um, which you know we've tried to pick a little bit from here and there and make them work inside like what's possible with college magic and you know you've probably seen a bit of hedge magic come back into fourth edition uh-huh. from the core book and we'll be doing a nice little um, booster to hedge mages uh, quite shortly yes. I think yes. Um, yes that was one of my <laughs> questions <laughs> that would be fun and exploring the lore of like what, what the hedge is or, or what it's a, a metaphor for but um, so I like I love Realms of Sorcery um, there's just it there's so much in it that, that it's great. And like a, a, as a source book, it touches on so many different things. Then, um, I mean, beyond that, like Ch- um, Children of the Horned Rat is great. The Old World Beastry is great. Um, the Old World Armory is great as well. Um, they're, they're, those are books that added a lot of player options, um, I think, as well. The, 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 the Armory specifically there. Like, um, so, I, you know, I, I think those are great publications as well. Like, Third edition is only something that I I've read it all for like background stuff. Um, mainly, it the, it's not something that I played a lot of, so I, I feel like weird saying I have a favorite product from that one. Like it 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 had a lot of cool elements and and it wasn't afraid to be different, which I think is cool. Um, yeah. For me, third edition has always been about it. it to me, it was. Uh... And, and I, I don't, there are some people that love third edition and, and all that, and I'm not going to get into the downsides of it, but the, the narrative dice system essentially was, um, you know, born out of Warhammer and, and it was, you know, refined for star Wars later with fantasy flight. Um, yeah. so I think, and it's, it's difficult because of the type of setting that Warhammer is in, in mechanics can have a part of that. So I think it has this unique powerful place but one thing i think fantasy flight did a very good job of um where i don't know if they rival cubicle seven in this um but just their production quality was always really really good um and their uh their 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 uh, like the artwork and the storylines and everything that was in that i and i'm not saying this just to i mean we rave all the time about the production quality and the artwork like it, when we have the pdf and then the the, I love book, the artwork yeah, when the book comes in, the physical book, and you're holding it, you're like, "Oh my gosh, it's so much, so good." So yeah, I, I get that feeling as well, despite having you know like worked on every page, yeah. and then you, you get the, you know the PDF is good, but when you, when you get it in print, uh, and I, I've I've often joked about like, "Oh, I just get this job so I can get the print books earlier." Yeah, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's because it is great when you get them in hand, and you're just like, "Oh, brilliant! Look at this!" And you flick through, you leave your bookmarks. Hard to beat a physical book. Awesome. And and I think it's I think it's awesome that um you know a lot of people you know they'll say like don't go into a career of something that you enjoy because then it turns into work and I just I love that you can tell that you still love Warhammer and everything about it even though you know like you said you work on every single page but it sounds like you still get giddy oh, like yeah. a kid on Christmas when when you get that stuff actually uh, after after it's produced yeah. hugely yeah. And even when you get like even the approval stage, which is like the quite ad mini, you know, but like when you get you you get an idea signed off on, it's it's nice to be like we're doing the book that I wanted to do, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely it's like that. And I mean, even uh, to go back to Dom, you know, he's been in with Cubicle Seven for uh, I actually don't know how long, but it's probably like a, approaching two decades, definitely fifteen years, um, that he's been working in game development, and he's still like super excited to you know get a crit on a, a skaven you know and or or whatever like he still loves um gaming so much so i i think you can you can have a job and keep your passion you know you just need to be careful about it i think 
Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So moving on here, we're curious. Uh, what have you been up to game-wise lately? Um, I mean, what have I been up to this month? Uh, so it's been the Horned Rat, basically, heavily. Yep. <laughs> all, all Horned Rat all the time um, for the last month. Nice. So, yeah, excited to see that coming out. I think we have... So I think by the time this is out, um, we'll have teased all the covers um, and everything and shown off the how that's going to look. Um, and yeah, it's it's very soon that it will be out uh, with the companion not long behind it. So excited for that. This is the one that, um, you know, it's, it's a new um, bit uh, to the, the enemy within. It replaces something rotten in Kislev. I think Graham did like such a cool job of doing this really exciting, intriguing mystery um, that like moves to a very, a really good crescendo that I think could rival Bogenhofen. So I'm really? hopeful that that's... Whoa. I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I Come on so. now, I Padraig. I, yeah, you know that's 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 what we're aiming for, and um, <laughs> yeah, and, and we've we've like tied it nicely into the the campaign. Um, I think a little bit more strongly because I I actually love something on in Kislev, and I love Kislev in particular. Um, so it's been great to see all the stuff coming out of uh, Creative Assembly. Um, you know the 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 new Kislev teasers and trailers for their stuff has dropped for Total War Three. So it would be so I love Kislev. But it is like a break from the main campaign, whereas I think this is really baked in. Like, you know, no NPCs mm. vanish into the background. What you've achieved in Middenheim, in Power Behind the Throne, doesn't just kind of get wiped away. Like, it's all, you know, you're, it's all recognized and all, I think, makes kind of narrative sense in the world that, you know, you know these people now and you, you, you've you achieved certain things and some people know who you are too. And that's a bit of a mis- mixed blessing, so... Uh, that's what I've been working on. That's all I can say, you know, without treading into spoiler territory, basically. Um, so <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I, I mean, one thing I'll say is um, <clears throat> I agree. Kislev has always been a fascinating, um, like, culture within the Warhammer world for me. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, with especially, I don't know if you've seen, uh, it's been, gosh, probably a year now. Um, you know, they've been teasing a few p- bits of artwork um, for like ice archers, uh, for the new Warhammer battle game, um, that they're working on. Um, so, uh, man, love to have a source book about the, uh, the Northern waste and Norsica and, uh, Kislev. I'm just throwing that out there. That would be pretty cool. I think you'd want to, we'd have to give it like a, I think it'd be a bit better than a source book to do it justice. Yeah. Yep. I want like some extra supporting stuff as well. Awesome. So uh, before we move on here, um, let's uh, I want to take a real quick second to thank our outstanding Patreon backers. Um, Their generous donations help us to make this show possible. Matt is usually the one that says these names that I am terrible at pronunciation and I feel so bad. Kyle, you want to give this a try? Let's do it, baby. Vadir Valberg Goodmanson. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vadir. That also well done, Kyle. I, I hope we got that right. Let us know if we didn't. Um, but we appreciate your support. And if you'd like to join these fine examples listed above and buy us a beer or some tea, hop on over to Patreon and support us. And for only a couple dollars a month, you can help us to continue to bring discussion and actual play to the grim and gritty world of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay uh, at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. We, we kind of like really dug 
first in there, um, uh, getting into talking some great stuff. So let's also, let's get through our news really quick here, guys. Um, there's a lot since we last had a discussion episode to go through. So um, we're going to touch base on this really quick, but um, I guess I'll just say right up front, most of this information, you can go to Cubicle7's website and get the information. That's at cubicle7games.com and just uh, Google Cubicle7 um, and it'll come right up. But a few articles that have come out recently um, in the last little while, there's been some Altdorf articles, um, parts one and two of A City in Flux by Dave Allen. Um, this has a little more information and teasing on Altdorf. And uh, the uh, most recent article gave us a, a glimpse in the notorious Altdorf docs, which now that Altdorf is out, you can actually get a full uh, breakdown of that. We'll talk a little bit more about Altdorf in a little while. But there was also a great Ralph Horsley article um, called The Rich Vein um, with some amazing art pieces in there, including, I didn't realize this, he did the cover of Stone and Steel, which is like maybe that's my my favorite first edition uh, expansion. It's a great piece. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, gosh, man. I, so I'm that I'm the nerd that gets in the nitty gritty of, oh, the dwarf hold population and what guilds are there and, you know, <laughs> oh man anyway future visions was another article by dave allen dave allen's been like putting out the articles like crazy lately and doing a lot of uh work we're going to need to get him on the show soon too but he has a teasing article this future visions about um upcoming releases um which we're going to talk about a little bit here uh soon as well yeah and then uh, the uber's Red adventures module for foundry was released and then also there were a couple excellent articles written by uh, one was by Charlotte Hamilton and the other was by our own Lance Anderson. Um, so make sure that you guys check those out as well. Yeah. And we had a couple of questions actually on the VTTs as well. So I think this is a good place to punch those in. Yeah. Um, so uh, Alexander R asks, how are the virtual tabletop products going? Are they within the expectations below above? Um yeah, I'm not sure if this is something you can speak to or not, Padraig, but it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Yeah, so, well, here's my super flaky answer. Um, we didn't really have many expectations because we didn't know uh, exactly what, what you know, what's a reasonable amount of VTT products to sell, um, you know, what, what our expectations were exactly. But I, I can tell you that they have gone past what anything we thought they could have been. Um, they've done very, very well. And... It's it's great to play them. They're really really fun uh, as well. Which I mean, because I, I was kind of skeptical of playing role playing games online because I'm a bit old school and I like having people over and I like you know being at the table and the, the ordering pizza and all this you know mm-hmm. all the rest, uh, which you know <laughs> I really miss and hopefully that'll be a, a thing again soon. Um, but the VTTs were like the the what could be achieved with them when we started to dig into the foundry initially and then roll twenty was really impressive. So they, they've done better than we've expected. So I guess if um, we're being asked that to, to see, are we going to keep supporting it? We will um, 100%. They, they, we, we, we want them on more of our lines. In fact, they're really good. So Actually, our next yeah. question is... Yeah, exactly. About, I was yeah. going to say, I feel like he answered it uh, already. But yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot, of, a lot of fans really like that. And a lot of fans would really like additional support as well, just because, you know, like... Our, our, our group, for instance, we're all spread out with, uh, within about, I don't know, we all have about a two-hour drive every time we meet. So it's it's nice to have that VTT. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he answered our next question. 
Yeah, yep. And because I know a lot of people have been asking about um, Wrath and Glory and Age of Sigmar. And I've heard a lot about Age of Sigmar saying, you know, are we going to have a VTT for that? So um, it's good to hear that you guys are working on other lines. Yeah, yeah, we, we are. And that, that'll be exciting to come out. And we, we're intending to keep supporting um, Roll20 and um, the Foundry. Uh, so there should be more, there, there will be more stuff for both quite shortly. Um, they, those There are products in like the final stages for both of those where they've been signed off by all the stakeholders. And I think it's just a matter of the timing on the release. So there'll be new stuff for Warfrop on Roll20 and on the Foundry. Yeah. Awesome. And, and oh, one thing, listeners, I want to tell you too. So one thing that I absolutely love about these releases is um, there's a lot of great, like the tokens and artwork and everything that's already pre-built. Um, oh. There's a little bit of a learning curve. And we are going to have an episode on VTTs where we're going to compare <clears> and contrast <throat> specifically Woofrup for Roll20 and um, for Foundry and our experience. We've been working and testing both of them. We wanted to get a really good um, idea of how that was going to go. Um, and, uh, so now that should be coming soon from us. But, um, one thing I think I was really impressed is, man, there's some like high res quality artwork and maps, um, especially in the foundry releases that we have so far that include like the, the enemy within, I mean, some high quality, high resolution maps for your games and, uh, built right into it. So, um, it's definitely worth the price of admission for, for any of those. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, and even the character sheets that you know, you know, that you can load up, those are pretty insane as far as you know the just the attention to detail that they have in them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're very nice. So um, I don't want to spend a ton of time on our sister games because we got a lot to talk to Podrick about. But I did want to mm-hmm. mention there's a lot going on with our sister games. Uh, in starting off here, uh, Age of Sigmar Soulbound. There's been a bunch of stuff. Starter set is out. Obviously, Core Rulebook is out. Champions of Order is shipping. Um, the Bestiary. This is a great Bestiary. Uh, I took a look at it. I have very few uh, negative things to say about it, so uh, I know uh, I know our uh, Lord of the Underdeep Nolan is absolutely in love with that beast here. But that PDF is out. Shadows in the Mist is now complete. Um, that's kind of the first campaign for for Soulbound, and there are a bunch of additional PDFs that have come out through the Fire and Smoke, Refugees in the Realms. There's a Stars and Scales, which is coming soon. And uh, and we have a bunch more that are currently in production. Um, we don't quite know when some of these are going to come. Um, more expected towards the end of the year or the mid-year. So Steam and Steel, um, Champions of Death, Artifacts of Power, Blackened Earth. Those are all in various levels of production. Go check out the website at Cubicle 7 to see specific details about when those are expected to come out. Oh, and how could I forget... Champions of Discretion, um, I think that one, I'm really looking forward to that one. And, of course, Loyal Companions as well. So, uh, anyway, lots of cool stuff for Soulbound. Um, Soulbound has been releasing. It's been churning them out. Emmett's been rocking it out over there. Um, almost, I think there might be nearly as many releases as Woofer. Maybe not quite, but they're they're really rocking it out there. Yeah, yeah, Emmett is and Elaine Litko both work heavily on that line, and they're both like machines of <laughs> production. Are you guys? Do you guys race to to release stuff? Um, we do, we have friendly competitions of like 
say, t- checking out sales on, on DriveThru. Uh, and we, we, you know, we have other backends and stores as well, but DriveThru RPG puts it front and center. So sometimes we have a, a little bit of a like, oh, going to knock you out of the number two spot. <laughs> or, um, <laughs> But it's all very good-natured and hasn't mm. come to blows like more than twice. So, <laughs> <laughs> Just a friendly pint here and there, I guess. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, Warhammer uh, 40k Wrath and Glory has also had a ton of stuff that'll be coming out uh, soon. The Forsaken system is currently printing and will be in stores later this year. Litanies of the Lost, um, that is available now, but will be in stores uh, later this year as well. Uh, Bl- the Bloody Gates, uh, which is PDF only, a tier one military focused adventure releasing in the upcoming weeks. Church of Steel, uh, writing and editing is near completion, and uh, the PDF will be coming out soon, but it'll be in stores uh, around holiday time. On the Wings of the Valkyries, uh, PDF only, tier two military adventure, also coming out in the next couple months. Redacted Records um, contains a little, just a different material for players and GMs to use in their games, including, you know, creating space hulks and all kinds of awesome stuff like that. Um, That is expected uh, late and PDF late Q2, Q3 of next year, um, or this year, I'm sorry, and then uh, be in stores Q4 early next year. Scions of the Fame, uh, Fane is a new complete campaign book um, that'll be PDF Q4 uh, in stores uh, late spring of 2022. And then there's tons of PDF adventures um, that are in the works. And you can find all of the uh, more in-depth information at cubicle7games.com. I, I don't want to comment too much on these, but just to say that the Space Hulk generation rules and redacted records, there's like all these charts for determining what's on the space look what it's That's made of so and, awesome and it's it's so good it's just oh. like a couple of rolls and we're like great space look good you know really really good ringing around we do have tyranids though and um, yeah there's you know like decks four true 70 at time so, so yeah kyle i don't know if you that know sounds insane yeah I'll have to talk to you about Space Hulks. We, we could spend an entire episode talking about Space Hulks, um, which is, you know, outside the scope of our show. But just Space Hulks was enough. You said rules for generating Space Hulks, and I was on board. It sounds like they're pretty comprehensive, too, which makes me excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're fun. But we have an internal chat, and some people have been like, here's, my, here's what I found on my one when I rolled. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's been quite, quite novel and interesting all the time, so. I'm excited. Yeah, and then our uh, our Battlefield allies, Garblag Games. I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, have heard of those great guys over there. Um, they released a new Wolf Rip show called Once Upon a Time in the Old World. It's available on their YouTube channel. They also finished their first section of The Enemy Within. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure you head over there and uh, give that a listen. Yeah, the team over at Garblag is is pretty awesome, and they got some great content. And uh, so definitely check that awesome out. Awesome team. All right. So, all right, let's get into the meat of the show. So here we go. Here we go. Good stuff. All right. So since we have Padraig returning to the show, we thought it would be great to go over all the products that have released since we last had him on. And that is a lot. There's a lot that's come out and there's a lot of news. So um, we wanted to put him uh, in. How did I say this? Our our very own chair of Verena and pepper him with all sorts of questions about everything. Wifra. So old worlders come join us. 
as we join the composer of the grandest event since the first showing of Deflick's Drakenfels, as we join Cubicle 7 producer Padraig Murphy and talk all things Woofrup on tonight's episode of the Old World Podcast. So, uh, before we dive in here, uh, just a format, we talked a little bit about this. Um, so, the last time we had Padraig on the show um, was, we talked Death on the Reich. So, the Death on the Reich companion and forward is kind of what we're going to be talking about. We had all sorts of questions and stuff. This is all going to be super high level. Um, there's several products in here and stuff that um, we haven't actually done an in-depth review on, and we fully intend to. I think Archives is a is an episode that we have scheduled for recording no more, no less than three times now, and for various reasons we've had to cancel it. So, um, but we are very excited to talk that one. So, um, just know that this is a high level overview, and that some of these products here will also be doing uh, more in-depth reviews as as we go on. So. Um, but let's go ahead and, and get started. And I think our very, f we already have a question to kick us off. You want to kick us off with that, Kyle? Absolutely. So uh, C7 has been very, bu very busy making products during the pandemic. Uh, is this a pace that will continue or, you know, or not? If so, great. Oh, um, I thought the pandemic had slowed us down a bit, actually. <laughs> um, from like what we were kind of tiring. Yeah, that's, this is the pace. This is what it, it, it like roughly should be um i think so you know we have the cubicle seven has actually grown like substantially um during the pandemic we, we had quite a few new hires and uh you know like like dave allen who you mentioned earlier should be on the show sometime dave is just like he he is uh he's been working on uh warmer fantasy since second edition um it, like he's a great person to talk to about literally any topic that would come to mind about woofrup and he's been really digging in on um, on Woodrup and it's like helped the pace massively to have to, you know, and it, it totally justifies us like having a line, uh, a developer and a producer working on it full time, basically. So, uh, yeah, this is the pace and we're going to keep it going. That's awesome. I feel like we, we talk about the before times as the dark times. And uh, and we didn't see a ton of releases coming out. And then I remember the one day, I think it was right around right after Death on the Reich. It was like release 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 oh here's a ton of news for you here's a ton of what right. to expect so um i've been hearing um in the community a ton of great feedback um your guys's production updates i think have done a lot to really help everybody feel like they have an understanding of where you are and and all that and uh it's been great so um I, uh, Michael had Michael, I'm probably saying this wrong. Wagerbrand asked that question, and um, I, I agree, I think it's great. Okay, so let's get into uh, we're gonna break this up. Uh, we have it broken up by adventures, the enemy within campaign, and then source books. So, starting off with adventures, we've had a lot come out since uh, we last had you on, Padre starting with It's Your Funeral. So um, It's Your Funeral is a PDF of adventure that Graham Davis created. Um, and he did this actually at a workshop at Gen Con that uh, me and the guys actually participated in. But uh, he actually did this workshop and we just came up with all these crazy ideas and did a uh, he was kind of going over how to create an adventure in the style of Night at the Three Feathers or um, more specifically Rough Nights and Hard Days for fourth edition. So um, this is a, a great uh, little episode. And I got to say the artwork, putting putting Graham on the cover. I don't know whose idea with it, that was, Padraig, but that was genius. 
That was great. It was a lot of fun and it was um, pandemic times and we were like, oh, if we would have done this for the convention, it would have been released at the, at the following Gen Con mm. if such a thing had had been possible. Um, and you could have seen Graham Davis in the flesh, uh, you know, like and releasing it and so on. So we, we wanted to have some, Graham to have like some presence in a time when physical presence wasn't really, you know, couldn't be a thing. So uh, yeah, it's quite good. I like him as a scribe. I think, I think it's, it really suits his kind of, general demeanor yeah I, I like that cover art yeah no it does yeah that was um that was legit I, it definitely in uh, sam manley i think did that piece uh, we've yes. talked about it several times it's a great piece um yeah i really need i'm gonna have to ask sam to do a piece for me um, we all had that moment where we we're like yeah. sam too much free time we don't yeah. give sam free time <laughs> if we can help it. i don't know how sam has any free time he's working for all three lines for you guys right now um, yeah. And uh, he, he puts out a ton and you guys have a great, I don't want to just single out Sam. We've had Sam on the, on the show before and he's a great guy, but I know like JG does some amazing pieces. Um, I think Kemper bad has been my favorite that he's done so far. Um, and uh, I'm drawing blanks on a bunch of other people, but I know uh, who did the, who did the Middenheim cover? That, um, that was JG as well. That was JG um, as well. Yeah. His, his environmental work is really, really strong. So good. Yeah. So good, yeah. Like I, I, we, he really captures this kind of like slightly frigid, snowy place that still has a cool carnival in it. Um, he, he did, he did a great job on that one on Midnight. Um, we also have Daniel Kovacs, who does like a lot of good oh, yeah. work. He hasn't done as much on Warfare. He's done some lovely maps and a couple of nice pieces. Um, and he's doing some work right now for Empire and Ruins. So we'll see more of of Dan's work in um Warfare as well. He's done a lot for Wrath and Glory and, and Soulband. And then we had um Rune. Runaseal Flynn joined us as well um, recently, so that's another in-house artist whose work will be cool. I think the first thing he has for me will be in Archives 2, um, but he's done like a ton of stuff for, uh, yeah, other lines, some even some secret things that I can't even pretend to know about. Almost, almost every cover that is out, I could literally just look at forever because there's just so much detail and everything like yeah. like I'm, i was literally looking at the archives of the empire <laughs> before you guys even said anything about that just because it's there's just so much detail i love it awesome all right so we have a bunch more <laughs> um uh, yeah we can't do this for all of them i'm so sorry I yeah talk all day keep going yeah no no so we got um hell rides the halt which is uh what i'm going to say a quote-unquote halloween adventure that was a uh, a release and uh, we also had, uh, which was a nice surprise, by the way. That was part of the the old world series, if you will. Um, and uh, there is one shots of the Reichlin, which I really enjoyed this because it's their short adventures designed for like a single um, session of play, um, and th- each adventure is tied to one of the buildings from the buildings of the Reichlin PDF, which is just genius right so you don't have to have both of those in order to like run the adventure or anything like that but it it helps it it allows them to support each other as products and i thought that was really cool um yeah yeah i quite like but both of those are are, have some really fun ideas and adventures in them so that there's a lot of material there for like some nice punchy sessions yeah yeah and uh, the story hooks too so you got adventures but you also have story hooks in the uh in the uh, buildings of the Reichland one too. So like there's man, if, if I tried to run every, I thought about this the other day, one of these days, do you have, 
Podrick, do you have a running count of the number of story hooks that we've published for Wolfrup? No, I don't. I did put, I, I, I know roughly how many we put into Altdorf because they all have, I, put, I took all their titles and put them into a Word doc to send over and be like, are all of these puns okay with everybody? <laughs> um, uh, so I, I had a, a count of it, but I have, I have no idea. It's hundreds and hundreds though. Like, the, you should, uh, I'm just, here's an idea for marketing. On the page, on the website somewhere, there should be a counter. Two counters for Woofrup. One is number of published uh, story hooks, and the other should be number of puns. <laughs> the, pun, the pun counter could never, would never stop moving. You read it. <laughs> awesome. All right. So moving on, we have the spirit of Monstyle. Monstil? Monstyle? I'm probably not saying that right. I think Monstil we've been saying. Monstil? Okay. Monstil. And that's kind of the quote-unquote Christmas adventure, um, which is which is absolutely hilarious i i love the concept of these holiday themed adventures like and not all um systems not all uh what do i say how do you say this um worlds can handle those sorts of tongue-in-cheek things but warhammer does well and in fact i think we have a question surrounding these we do we do by an unnamed old worlder what was the idea behind doing those because those are a lot of fun is there any other holidays that you know we should be looking forward to? Is there any that you think would be fun to do? Yeah. So, I mean, the idea was to do an adventure that like broke up something like Uber's like adventures two, or wasn't part of the series. You could pop it in anywhere and that it would be out in time to run for like uh, the, the, the holiday that roughly mapped to the old world's um, festival that was there, you know? So hence Mon still, as you said, it's a bit, it's a little bit Christmassy, like it's a winter kind of gift giving thing. Mm. And, and hell rides to hall was set around Geheimestacht. So, that is as like extra terrible Halloween <laughs> that happens occasionally <laughs> in the old world. Um, so th- those ones mapped easily. And I mean, um, Chris Hadley, the writer for um, Hell Rides to Halt, pitched it to me as as a, a kind of a Halloween thing built on like uh, this uh, kind of idea of like folklore sort of thing. So hence the you know without giving too many spoilers away, like there is a there's the horseman. Does he have a head? Good question. Um, so you know there, there's. <laughs> He, he had pitched that one and it was just such a, a, a nice idea that I was like, yeah, definitely, let's do that. So we do want to do some other holiday-themed ones. We actually had one set up for around Easter and missed the boat on it, basically. So that's something to look forward to in whatever year is next year, 22. So we'll have that out in advance. It'll be the most in advance I've ever had an adventure ready, I think. Um, <laughs> so, so that one will, will be out for sure. And we'll probably have something around the summer as well. Um, awesome so yeah I, I think they're nice as well they're 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 a great reason to if you don't have an ongoing campaign of people they're a nice one-off to run around you know halloween or whatever right and i can't think honestly i can't think of a better like even for all those folks out there that like you know play multiple games and and you don't you don't stick to just one system or whatever um when when halloween comes around there's not a better system to play than Woofrup. I mean, as if, on. yeah, I was going to say, as if Wolfram wasn't Halloweeny and terrifying enough, let's, let's add a, let's add some actual Halloween stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, <laughs> the perfect for every season, but particularly Halloween. <laughs> right. All right. So then we have the Uber's Reich Adventure. So Uber's Reich Adventure 2 is complete. We have all of the um, episodes released. Um, I know Cubicle 7 is updating the final PDF that will have some extra content. Um, 
I'm not sure when we can expect that, but we're expecting the uh, the the physical book to be quarter four for stores. So yeah, so the PDF will be out like in the next couple of weeks. So oh, I can talk a little bit more about the extra content if you want. If yeah, please. Yeah, so we've got um, we kind of wanted to move along the timeline a little bit of what's happening in Uberstrike. Um, because obviously you have the, the, the young Freuds and you have the um, imperial influence on the town and so on, uh, along with the kind of local um, council trying to push a little bit for their own independence. So we're moving that on a little bit in light of the enemy within. So what you have is a section kind of saying, hey, you know, this is how Uberstrike would advance. This is what's happening in Uberstrike in response to um, a, a enemy in shadows or um, the events of Death on the Reich. Um, and a couple of like ways to pull in some NPCs from those uh, adventures and bring them like maybe to Uberstrike, um, to, so that if you're not playing the enemy within or you want to go back to Uberstrike between sessions, you can be kind of you'll meet people who'll be like, "Did you hear about that castle or whatever might have happened?" You know, during the enemy within. So we have that there, and we also have a nice big chunky expansion on um, the Duchy of Blackrock and the Young Freud family um their various supporters so it's getting a little bit of the a guide to Uberstrike kind of treatment um so you have a guide to the the duchy of blackrock and the forces there and the intrigue that's going on and some pretty interesting that, npcs that's going to be built into the Uberstrike adventure too that's the, yeah if you pre-ordered it you get all that that's yours now you that's, don't need to give me anything else that's so, awesome i, I uh, can yeah BlackRock has always been super interesting for me. Um, man. Well, yeah, because you have this sense of like, they, they went there, but they're not going to stay there. Like, this right. is not going to be, you know, and something is happening. And they're, bit, you know, you, you, we've, I think we've laid a few hints here and there, like, mm-hmm. it, in, as far back as you were, as the starter set, that, you know, troop numbers are a thing that, you know, that Emmanuel Noct is concerned about and counting, um, you know, what's happening in, in, in the, uh, the duchy and, is that going to like? Is that likely to be a problem? So you have all the material you need to take the characters over there and um, run them through. Like there's some again adventure hooks um, and some interesting little places and moments I explore. So you can get the other side of the coin, you know, get the other view for um, what happened in Uberstrike and why maybe uh, the empire or the emperor infringing on the the rights of nobility in the Reichland might not be a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, so so that that's in there, and uh, yeah, I really like it myself. So I I hope everyone does um, when it comes out. That's awesome. That's I'm you. I I was I was like somewhat excited. Now I'm very excited about that. So great, Ooh, excellent. I I hope I hope you like. It. I think it's about thirty-ish pages of of that material. Dang, not messing around, Padraig. I love it. Um, um, who has time to mess around? Yes, yeah. not me. Um, but yeah, that's. All right, so um, the last adventure we wanted just release. It's something knocking. It's a PDF. I was super excited to see this one. It's a Riverborn adventure, perfect for your Death on the Right campaign, um, or just as a one-off. And uh, so it, that's a PDF only that just released. And um, in fact, uh, there's something a little bit unique in this one. Um, there's a new condition that got pre- presented, um, rattled, which was really interesting. Um, and actually I'm going to, I'm going to jump this out of order here since I'm talking about it. I actually, we have a question on this. Um, so, uh, new conditions are a great addition, 
but putting them in an adventure module means those rules may be missed by GMs that run their own adventures. Are there any plans to include this in another supplement? Um, yeah, so I mean, okay, so when we put things in PDFs, uh, like like the rattle condition, um, it's usually in response to like a need we feel in the scenario, or we have an idea that we kind of want to test out, uh, essentially. Right. Um, and I think rattle was a nice kind of, uh, as a condition, I really like it. Like it's like a low level fear, but you're right. you're, you're actually a bit more perceptive. You're on edge um, at the same time. So I I think it's an uh, like. Because I think people like it, and I think it, it works well, that we will put it into something else so that you have it in print, um, you know, on, on your on your bookshelf uh, as a GM. Um, that's not to say we'll do that with every single thing we ever put in a PDF. Maybe some of them don't hit the way we want or whatever. But we will for for things like this that add, add value to um, your games of Wolfrop, and I think Rattled is a nice condition. We will put it into uh, a supplement that you can have on your shelf. So the so the PDFs are just kind of like a. a, a... A more of a testing kind of beta beta program i would would, right i mean the not not exactly like the adventures and and careers that might come out that way are spells for example from solisara's like those are canon those are part of the line they're a thing right it's not to say like that but do do we sometimes do something in an adventure that we kind of want to see you know do it in a pdf that we want to see how it lands um that we you know before we put it in print yes sometimes we might do that um awesome. so yeah that, that that's that's rattled and and that's not just to be like the, you know to be we want to test it it's the flexibility that, that the pdfs give us is it's it's a quite short format easily managed project that we can go there's an idea there's maybe only one writer working on it and maybe only one artist as well and it's all it's a very contained product and we can get it out quickly um you know and it keeps us in in the public you know, in the mindset and the fans know we're working on stuff when, when PDFs are landing. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's that too. Like if we have an idea, we think it's too good to just sit for six months um, you know, waiting on a book to happen. Then right. we, can, we can just put that out and see what people think and get it out to the fans and, you know, right. improve their games and let people have fun with it. Awesome. Yeah, All right. No so, yeah. So we got a couple more questions. We have another question actually specific to something knocking as well. Uh, yeah, so the the ripper based adventure seems like a really cool concept. Has you know, has anyone thought about doing additional adventures specific to different general locations? You know, like I like a desert based adventure, ocean based, deep forest, etc. Yeah, I think we've got a few like deep forest ideas um, kicking around. I think ocean based, we would need some support for like sailing rules and boat rules, which would be a bigger thing than a PDF. But right. PDFs might follow that book. Um, and desert-based, I think that we would need a source book for somewhere with some deserts, um, <laughs> maybe somewhere to the south or or the east. Um, so once we had that, you would definitely get those as well. The river-based adventure was something Dave Allen came up with. We wanted adventures that began and end on a barge. So we would have another couple of these, I think. Oh, great. Um, and the idea is that you can be barging around either in Death and Reich or maybe using some of the extra rules for support for that that are in the companion for death on the reich and there's some nice adventures the idea of which is they begin and end on a barge so you don't need to you you can just you know you you can have your precious barge and keep it uh through the adventure basically (laughs) yeah who knows maybe your maybe your whole gaming uh gaming party realizes that none of them can sail or do anything else maybe that maybe that'll come up (laughs) you're not speaking about a specific game we just played are you (laughs) No, no, of course not. How could I be? Realizing nobody has sail on a barge. That, That's good. That is literally something that happened in our game. 
Padres. Yeah, I got the feeling that this was the voice of experience. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, many are asking if we can expect to see these old world adventures or one shots. And I see this question a ton and you're probably yeah. sick of hearing it, but they're all PDF only um, releases. Are any of these going to end up like in some sort of adventure anthology in print at all? Is this something your team has discussed? Yeah, we've discussed it at length, uh, basically because um, so there's, we don't want to uh, kind of, I feel like I'm a bit, a bit of a betrayal of people who bought the PDFs. Um, then and we come along and said and now also there's a print book that contains those things you already bought but because we've no way of tracking who bought what uh, digitally you've got to pay full whack to get the print again if you want to own those things you already own in print that would I would not like that as a fan right um, now will we maybe do like a best of in a couple of years or something it feels like that might be a good idea um, and some people would like that and you know if they had the PDF for two or three years and gotten their fun out of that uh, and then we came along and did like, okay, here's like two or three good scenarios that we think we did and one little supplement and, you know, like a, a, a grimoire of spells from two or three years ago. And maybe you have that now that, that to me seems like, like a best of anthology could be good, but I, I won't be taking all of the older adventures and shoving them into one book and being like, haha, guess who's paying for this twice, my friends. <laughs> um, I don't want to do that. And at the same time, we don't want to not put out PDFs because we think everything should be in print. You know, they're, we like doing them and they keep us in the mind in, in the mindset, you know, when they come out and they're, they're very immediate in terms of turnaround and we just, we like doing them. So we're not going to stop doing them either. I'm afraid, but we will try and, you know, keep in mind what people want in print. Now it, it's not to say that we might have like, say we do a grimoire or something and people really like that, that grimoire, or we do um, some encounters PDFs, which we have coming up and people really like those. Maybe we will take one of those encounters, expand it out to something bigger Add in a bunch of extra stuff, and maybe that's a book um, right. that that people might like. You know, if there's a really good response to something, but I, I wouldn't like to just try and sell people the same thing twice, essentially. So, I, yeah, I that's 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 very awesome to hear that. That's a really good answer. Um, and and I can tell you, I like PDFs, but even uh, I mean, and and if it comes down to it, if these are adventures that you really want in print, um. Uh, I highly recommend that uh, if you have the ability, I know not everyone does um, print, print them out. Um, and then if you can find like some, just Google a binder yeah. somewhere around you and you can go get them bound for a couple dollars um, if, if it's important. So like just print out all of them, print out your own anthology and do it that way. Um, if you need to have it in front of you, I know if I'm going to run an adventure that's in PDF, I print it out. That's, you know, because I want it in front of me physically and uh, not just on my screen. So, right. Yeah. But I mean, it's a, uh, it's good to, cause I, I think that might be, I might see that question every single time a PDF gets released. Yeah. So. And it's usually asked in such good faith where people are like, I really like this thing. Yeah. It seems right. great. Please print it for me. I'll give you money. Um, but the, the, that is why, you know, we don't want to, right. I don't really want to do that. I, I yeah. think it would suck for people who've really supported us. Uh, that's, a, that's a great answer. Understandable. Absolutely. All right. So um, go ahead, Kyle. I know you're talking about the Enemy Within campaign. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, Death on the Reich and its companion are now added to C7's Irish warehouse and in distribution centers in the U.S. Uh, should be on store shelves um, sometime soon. Okay. Um, and I did get, I got my copy. I'm super Ooh. excited about it. 
I, I wanted to throw that out there. Um, we did already do a Death in the Rake review, um, yep. episode 33. But I did want to point out um, one thing we're working on for the Old World Podcast is doing something. I, I don't know if we're going to call them mini or micro uh physical product reviews but we're gonna do some unboxing of like the starter set um and we're gonna like get the physical books and and do like little mini videos and put them on our youtube channel yes we have a youtube channel there's nothing on it but um i <laughs> will have uh we're gonna do that uh, that'll be coming sometime this year um so uh but it just every time i get one of these books in the mail i'm so excited it's so nice i want to just show it off um and in fact, I, I was going to do one on the core rulebook to start us off, but then I realized my core rulebook is so beat up and ratty. I'm not, I'm not sure people want me to show off um, my beat up, falling apart copy. Um, but that's good it, to me. That's a badge of honor, right? It means you're using the book. So absolutely, oh, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, uh, old worlders, you can expect that coming uh, this year. We're going to try it out, see how it goes. Um, so uh, be on the lookout. But um, I will say this beautiful beautiful book um as i never doubted it would be <laughs> so great it's great to hear though you know when, when people stick out them so glad to hear it um yeah it looked like uh michael wagerbron uh had a question do you want to take that one lance well yeah this one was um when can we expect the death on the right to hit the shelves um i are we still looking at potentially this month yeah, that's that's the last I heard was this month. So you should okay. be able to support your friendly local game store by heading down um, sometime in May, and they should be there. Awesome. So I know we've also had Power Behind the Throne and the Companion that has been released for uh, on PDF. So those are uh, expected in stores in the next quarter, or quarter three. Wait, are we in two? Yeah, we're in two. Okay, so yeah, in quarter three. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not... I got so much stuff going it's, on. It's the weekend, man. It's yeah. we don't we don't talk we don't think quarters on the weekends. So, uh, there's some really good stuff uh, in the uh, power power behind the throne um, is a continuation of the uh, the adventure. I'm not going to go too much into detail on that because of spoilers. Um, but the companion has some really awesome stuff in it, um, including a a bunch of stuff to help. Uh, so when we say companion. Um, this book, I feel like more than any of the others, is very much a companion. Um, it really gives you a lot to work with while you're in Middenheim, which is where Power Behind the Throne takes place. Um, there's some great uh, like rules for like parties and a maze <laughs> um, that's in the uh, uh, that's in the adventure, or kind of and excuse me, and a bunch of a bunch of like mini adventure seeds and like full-on extra adventures that are in the book as well as a giant list of extra npcs um i could go on there is a ton of stuff in there to help support your game and uh padrig what was uh i know power power behind the throne companion was one of the ones that we were like you know death in the reich it was pretty obvious we're gonna get river rules right um the horned rat i mean uh, I mean, I guess nobody's officially confirmed anything, but rumors are saying lots of stuff about Skaven, right? Potentially, you know, so it like... It doesn't seem like a stretch. Right, uh, it doesn't say, seem uh, like a stretch. So, <laughs> yeah. so, but what what we're... So what we weren't sure is what to expect in Power Behind the Throne Companion. How did you determine what went into that? 
Well, um, we had so um, we had an initial document where like Graham had written some things like the garden party, which was like that kind of deleted scene, which I think was was I really like that bit. I think it's great. Um, and then we also had some ideas of our, like kind of in house for what people needed to support the campaign uh, and to support the events of Power Behind the Throne specifically, like and to make more of that adventure if you wanted to. So some of that came from the fact that we really enjoyed our own playtest of Power Behind the Throne <laughs> um, quite a bit. So we want uh, everyone wanted to spend more time with the characters that are there and to spend more time in Middenheim. Um, so I think a lot of the companion grew out of that. We also wanted to try and give other characters who might not naturally have a good way into the main plot um, to, to have a way in. So that was what some of the additional NPCs are about. Um, to give you their, you know, who, who they are in society, what their relationships are to other uh, noted NPCs, where you might run into them, and how they might help you, uh, you know, get involved in the main campaign. So it's there for GMs to, because one of the great things about Warfare is you can have very varied um, groups, you know, um, so you can have, it's why I get asked about like encounter balance a lot, like, what should I throw up for PCs? And it's, you know, it's like, well, uh, you know, is it a wizard and three knights, or is it two scholars, a rat catcher and a beggar, you know, like who, who, who is the, the group um, and, and what, what is their place in society? So we wanted to give GMs a way to get like more, to, to get different diverse groups in. Um, so, you know, we, we had that design goal of this should make Power Behind the Throne easier to run. It should make the fun bits more fun and the bits that, and extend the bits that need extending uh, if you want, you know, if you're enjoying them. Um, and we went in with that design goal, basically. And I think we got pretty, pretty close to that. Uh, in the final book, so um, yeah, I, I don't know if that helps or makes it more obscure, but that's what we were thinking, and I hopefully it worked out. No, I th- I think that was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I, I can't mention the uh, power behind the throne companion without mentioning perhaps one of my favorite things that speaks so much to what Warhammer is. When when I have an entry for flying death skulls, right next <laughs> to an entry for flying deathier skulls that warms my heart so good excellent <laughs> yeah that was the sometimes the worst puns are mine um, I, don't, I don't like to take particular credit for terrible things but that was one of mine um yeah the, the that, that was again part of that encounter balance question which is like this is three game. this is three um big chunky adventures deep into a campaign the death skills might not be enough maybe they need to be death here so. <laughs> I and, I, and I love that it's what do we what do we call these these are these are deathier than these uh deathier skulls sounds good <laughs> write it up yeah. book yeah, it go for it book it that's that's a thing now let's go yeah <laughs> all right so uh nolan we had another question about this nolan asked um uh, will we be seeing other chaos god aligned classes in upcoming releases um so this is more, I think the decision process, uh, I guess, I know you probably can't speak to directly to like what's coming out, but um, decision process when to decide um, what to include when it comes to stuff related to chaos aligned classes. And, and the reason I think this is getting asked is because in the last two companions, we had, you know, two different chaos careers, which aren't, you know, um, that were specifically built for like uh the different uh, cults that you are dealing with. Um, so is there, is there anything you can talk about, about the process that you 
use to determine whether or not you add like a full class to anything um, in these companions or any other book? Well, um, yeah. So I suppose the thing, there's a lot of questions to go into it. And, and the first one is like, will it add to the game if this, if the GM has this option and if certain players have it? Because I mean, you're not going to have your cult mages of Zinch wandering around your average group, but it could be something that you secretly become behind the scenes, you know, talk to your GM about that. Um, but it's also a way for GMs to create like more in-depth um, kind of NPC adversaries or, you, you know, to, to, to face the party down. So they, they have that kind of career there if they want to build um, build into that. Now, will we have more? I think we'll have one. We might have two. Um, there's, there's, we want to give enough that people have options, but the other decision that goes into this is would a better place for these careers be a, a big chaos source book right. that had a ton of them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like that, if, if you really want to get your chaos fix, wouldn't it be good to get it in one large book instead of across five companions? Um, you know, which if you're not into the enemy within is asking people a lot to, to, to get. Yeah. So it'll be one or maybe two, but there will be a, at some point in the future, a very big, um, you know, a chunky chaos book that deals with, uh, the chaos gods in general, um, a bit on the chaos wastes and have some nice options for, you know, a, a enough careers to give enough choices for people to put together a convincing party of chaos aligned things. To, That's so, awesome. you know, wage terrible war on the empire or more <laughs> than likely each other. Uh, so I can tell yeah. you after the first one came out with uh, death on the Reich um, or no, it was enemy in shadows, uh, the enemy in shadows companion. I ran a game with uh, my cousins where they built, um, chaos cultists with with those uh rules and uh we did the uh a night of blood using from the point of view is that they were also chaos cultists but they were rivals and they they were trying to hunt down this location and they just happened to come across the inn where it was so it was uh it was just another way to play in the warhammer world That that is class yeah yeah. I like the idea where you might be hunting another chaos cult, and they're like, "Ah, oh, who are you people, witch hunters?" Like, oh, not exactly. Someone's pink horror. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of fun to be had there, and like the, the you know, canonically, the cults are always at each other's throats, um, right? Over various things, even right. rival cults of Zinch, as we've seen. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Great. All right, so then we have the new stuff, uh, and and I say this new stuff because um, this is going to be stuff that we haven't seen before. Oh, right. There's a question. I skipped yeah. over a question. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. Um, speaking of the enemy within products, uh, after Power Behind the Throne, which is you know new content created specifically for Wolf 4th Edition uh, Director's Cut, how ex- you know, and you spoke to this uh, a little bit. How is how exciting is it for you and your groups of playtesters to test history, so to speak, and experience the enemy within in a whole new way? Uh, yeah, it's quite exciting. Uh, it's a bit nerve-wracking. You, you know, like you have... I, I certainly do feel the weight of expectation on, on these ones. Um, and, you know, you do find yourself stopping going like, would everybody do this? You know, Or is this... This moment now, is, the, like, is, is, this, is this because we're playing our game and we know how we are? Is it, like, how will other groups... The things you always have in playtesting, but it feels a bit heightened on, on the Horn Rat um, heavily to me. Uh, so um, I think exciting and I think a bit, you know, 
yeah, a bit nerve-wracking because, you know, you do have that, yeah, it is just that, like, God, this has to be great. Um, so I think we've gotten there on the Horn Rat, and I think we'll, we will also be there on, on um, Empire in Ruins. Uh, so, yeah, that's... I don't know. I, that's like it's not really an answer. It's very exciting. It's it's nerve wracking. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you want you want your product to live up to, you know, the expectations. So I get how testing something new might, uh, you know, <laughs> would uh, would stress you out a little bit. Not not to yeah. mention, Dom is one of your players, right? In your playtest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's um he's the the grass champion actually, <laughs> um but yeah he um and he he's 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 good and he's all his he, character is like a real combat machine as well so you do get that kind of like is this hard enough so if you ever run into encounter in the enemy within from about power behind the strong onwards and it feels too hard it's essentially his fault because he just <laughs> he obviously tore through it too well in playtesting we buffed them um but uh, yeah no it's 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 been exciting it's been interesting awesome. So uh, the Horned Rat, you've talked about it quite a bit. That's the next one that's coming out soon, and um, we're really excited about this uh, new content. I think this is going to be, um, I imagine this will be more nerve-wracking to release um, that day to get everybody's initial reactions than probably anything that's come before, I would guess. Um, is uh, I, I know you've already talked a little bit about what's, upcoming on the horned rat and in empire and ruins obviously is beyond that um and just for all those out there we're expecting pdf in the soon for the horned rat um coming months uh but empire and ruins is looks like a pdf release in third quarter so um and and it's going to be the whole new piece of that so I mean, you've already given us some insights into that. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the Horned Rat and Empire and Ruins and, and what's coming down the line, Padraig? Oh, um, I mean, yeah, we talked a bit about the Horned Rat earlier. Um, the Horned Rat is is what we've been, like, it's it's been obviously been working on for several months, um, you know, uh, but in, it's really ramped up uh, in the last kind of six weeks. So that is coming up soon. I mean, it's, yeah, the... the there's not much I can say without getting into spoilers, but I do think it's going to be a very exciting adventure. And I think it's tied in more to Middenheim and your character's history. So we do, of course, give an option for if you just want to start here. And we, I thought about that a good bit because I know some people might have played the enemy within before and not want to play through it all again just to get to the new stuff, as it were. So there are options there for tying you in straight away. But I think the most satisfying oh. way to go would be would, would be have played through Power Behind the Throne at least before you dive in. That's great. I hadn't, I honestly hadn't even considered that, but that's a really good point. Some, yeah. someone well, might have played, you know, their version of the enemy within for the last 20 years, 10 times. And even with all the Grognard boxes might decide that they don't want to play through it again, but they might yeah. pick up and start. I hadn't considered that, but that's a really good, that's a, I'm glad you thought of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to pick it up too much. It'll be most fulfilling if you've play through it with roughly the same characters and i think empire in ruins is especially in that um category because i think that if the character who uh resembles a certain um prominent man by the name of caster if that character is still alive true to empire in ruins that would be very interesting <laughs> and fulfilling for them <laughs> i think and for the, the whole group you know to have seen that so you know we'll have that option if you just want to dive in again but um it will again it would be best to measure it so yeah the, the horn rat is you know what it is the companion is yeah, a lot of skaven focused content 
um, it, it, there's enough there to give the GMs like a real ton of material to, you know, put their own twist on the Skaven. Probably my favorite part of it is we looked to um, uniforms and heraldry of the Skaven from Warhammer mm. Fantasy Battle and yeah. took some of those. You know the way that that book describes like this particular group of um, of Skaven. You know this unit is like this, and it was to give you nice ideas for kind of teaming your your army in in, in fantasy battles. Uh, we've taken like several of those groups and fleshed them out with a little bit of their history and their stats and what they're like, and given them ties for how they might end up in the Horned Rat. Like, what fact? Because obviously it's the Skaven, so there's a ton of backstabbing from the top down to the very bottom, and <laughs> intrigue, and people who are like, oh, we want the plan to succeed, or not succeed, or we'd like it to succeed, and then murder everyone responsible for it and take credit. So there's a lot of that happening, and you've got these groups of um, that, that the GM can kind of go, oh yeah, I need to buff this section, because my guys are going to like through this i want something tougher here i would like this this thing to be replaced by this much worse thing um so you know gms have that so if you see a gm with the companion as well and they're grinning i would be concerned um you know be careful but uh wait to see what lance does with that then yeah Um, i hope i hope you like it yeah i'm uh i'm 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 very excited i i know that there were I, I'm excited. I'll, and I've I'll come to learn there. that when you're excited as a GM, that usually means that um, we're in trouble. Hey, I haven't killed anyone yet. Yet. No, it starts by taking their fate points. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, that's so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's good. Um, um, yeah, that and, and Empire and Ruins is a bit too far out to talk too much about exactly, except that again, I think it, um, I think it comes full circle nicely and it's a really good, bookend to the campaign in a way that maybe uh i you know the previous versions of the of part five were very good um i think in in lots of places um i think this one does a better job of tying it all together um graham knocked it out of the park and we had a few other writers work on sections of that as well and i've seen like you know some of their stuff has been writhing in over the last few weeks and yeah it's exciting i mean if you think that like i'm devious there's devious people worked on this book so uh yeah it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm excited about it. Awesome. All right. So we did have a question in, uh, this is like a very specific lore question. So I don't know if you yeah. want to speak on this, but this might have some spoilers for the enemy within y'all. So, uh, but this question is about Volkmar and Yori. There's a lot of I debate do. on the topic of Volkmar and Yori currently holding office. Maybe you can end the dispute. Uh, this comes from Alexander R. Who is a grand theo- uh, theogenist? of Sigmar at the start of the enemy within. Uh, it's Yori and Volkmar is mentioned in Altorf somewhere as the Grand Theogenist. And it's a, it's a typo on my part, essentially. Um, I should have caught that. So that is, that is change for print. And I need to put a, a digital update of that one. out actually with the errata in it. It's, it's Yori. And this is born. So to, to kind of draw back the veil a little bit, um, the Wolfrup has always had a slightly different lore to um, Warhammer Fantasy Battles as it headed in one direction and Wolfrop kind of like carried on a little bit of what the older lore was. Um, you know, with like good reason because a lot of, you, if you develop something over like 10 or 12 years and it's it's all first edition, you don't want to be changing things too much. So, so one of the design goals for fourth edition was to do as much as we could to rationalize all of those changes and the enemy within specifically um, yes. it takes account of those and tries to answer questions on like, well, you know, is Middenheim the capital of Midland or is it Carrollburg? Um, it, you know, is is uh, Nordland 
in the current timeline before the enemy within is a um it's a holding of the graph of Midnight essentially but Nordland for fans of the battle game in more recent years would know that like Nordland is its own province yeah. uh, with its own elector you know like we can never perfectly align what is something that dozens and probably hundreds of writers have worked on over decades and make it all make perfect perfect sense but what we would like to do is take some of the biggest most like egregious things that are kind of there that might have you scratching your head make bring all of those along to where they are you know circa kind of like six seven eighth edition war of fantasy battle so that those things are roughly um you know that, that we kind of synthesize a coherent worldview out of them all so uh will volkmar become the grand theogenist you know almost certainly unless the players do something it's a great thing with a role-playing game is you could do something <laughs> about that uh you know is, is he my my joke with with, with Dave Allen was like, okay, so he'll become the he'll become both the Grand Theogenist and the Grim at the same time, and he's like, nah, he's already Grim, and so, <laughs> um, yeah, so that that it's it's Yori right now, but I mean, he might not be long for the world. You might unless you do something about that, which you know it's your Ooh. world, and you totally can. Ooh, yeah. So I, I I'm, I'm I apologize if that's spoilery. Maybe you can you know post anything before, but to, to answer the question, like that's what the goal is about and, and it's it's yori right now and it probably will be volkmar nice um, great stuff can't wait to see how the uh the enemy within ends but um I, i'm not gonna lie my favorite releases aren't adventures and isn't the campaigns while those are great and i love them um it's the source books um and man have you given us some source books uh and pdfs uh things that we can use and i love what i'm it. most excited to talk about not not this but what's next so yeah. i'm very excited so so let's let's get in here. We got a lot to cover, but um, first up is Middenheim, City of the White Wolf. Um, it's uh, currently on the boat and making its way to Cubicle Seven as of our last update. So we should see that soon. Um, and I know that we did a full review of Middenheim, um, episode thirty-five. So go back and listen to that. We dig apart everything good and bad that we loved and uh and didn't like in Middenheim. Um, it's overall. I'll, I'll tell you ahead of the time. Overall, it's a great book, and and any GM that's going to plan on having any sort of venture even near Middenheim should get this book. Um, so it's, it's a great thing. So I, I won't spend a ton of time digging too much into that, but we did get a question um, surrounding Middenheim. Um, and uh, this came in from Nolan. Um, and so uh, he he's interested in how we did uh, some different um species uh subspecies however you want to say that like so Mindheimer, nordlander midlander that sort of thing um and you know he's interested about well could that be different characters for the dwarfs and stuff like that so i guess his question is more about what goes into the decision making process of when to decide like what species or subspecies might be in a book so it's fairly upfront, like at the beginning, um, essentially when we try and think about it a bit. Sometimes we've had one or two things kind of crop up like mid-development mid, mid development where we're like, oh, actually we need that. Um, but the basic question to answer with it is like, do do these people feel a little different when you meet them? Like, do they tend to have a shared, a common background um, that defines who they are? And if they do, does that need to be reflected in the rules? And usually like it, it does. So, you know, Middenheimers aren't Reichlanders, uh, aren't Nordlanders. You know, they, 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 they're they people who are all part of the empire, generally speaking, but they have their own kind of, like, culture and flavor, and 
it's worth reflecting that. So I, I, I see Nolan's ask about the dwarfs as well. Um, you, I, that's definitely the case. I don't know if I'd go as granular as like per Karak, um, but I think if we look at like, you, you know, as we've seen with kind of the distinction between maybe um, dwarfs who live in, you know, imperial dwarfs who live in the empire um, uh, versus dwarfs who still hold, you know, the old Karaks and, and uh, you know, defend those and keep keep that flame burning. Like they, they have cultural differences that I think uh, it's good to reflect in the rules because, you know, it gives you more to role play with and it gives you some extra yeah. options. One um, one thought I've always had on this is a good in-between would be um, Imperial Dwarves, Karak Dwarves, and then Grey Mountain Dwarves. Since uh, yeah. if you know a ton about Dwarf history, um, the Grey Mountain Dwarves are, are almost seen as a separate, they're part of the kingdom, but they're also the poor dwarves. They're, you know, so there's it's a little bit different, but they're not as, it's, it's almost like different uh, levels of Dwarven society, like... Yeah, I, I will say that just my reading the Nordlander, I was immediately so interested that these just all of these just sound so cool. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Well, then uh, if, if, if that's happening, then it's doing its job. That's, yeah. that's what we want to see. So and just for a, a real brief overview, Middenheim includes like a full on breakdown of the city broken down by sections of the city. You have a history. You have a breakdown of. Um, you know, important people in the government and how it works, um, as well as like uh, different criminal elements, um, including a mini bestiary, which is I absolutely love. Go listen to our episode. We talk about it in depth. A um, lot of great stuff in that book. So uh, be sure to check. Middenheim was a, a home run, Padre. I, 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 we really enjoyed that one. That was uh, one of the most fun ones to work on. As my, myself and Dave Allen just really dove into our fingerprints are on like every page of that book in the sense of like some designs for uh you know different or oh, just different graphical elements different little ideas were thrown in and we, we it was a delight to work on it now awesome awesome so um let's move on archives of the empire volume one uh i've already said this we are gonna have an episode on this it is my favorite release so far for fourth edition um I absolutely love it. Um, apparently, it's on the same boat as Middenheim, so I can't wait to see it in person. Um, but uh, I definitely... Um, I, I know, Kyle, you've done some digging into this as well. How would you describe this? I mean, it's there's so much that you can turn every single page and there's something so interesting and important in this book. Yeah, I mean, it just breaks down, you know, Imperial Dwarves like you were just talking about. And, you know, the, the halfling clans, that that's, you know, so a whole cool. little chapter in itself. And there's just so much good stuff in here that, like I said, you know, then there's a guide to the, the Carrick. I mean, I, I don't even know where to start when when talking about this. There's there's so much great stuff in here. Yeah, there's a full episode worth of stuff in here for sure. Right, exactly. Yeah, but I think uh, we were just talking about um, how big a Ooh. deal the species is. But like the really, career huh the careers that oh, that ghost rider oh, yeah the careers so, were awesome i played the ghost rider and boy that was that was just such a fun character to play just with the stealth that they have already built in and the lore behind them it's just he, he, he was he was such a great character to play and and player options are thick throughout this book too i want to point that out uh things like 
halfling clans. Uh, so we're talking about different species before, right? Like in the there's a table in there where you almost have like a, a half dozen or more different subspecies of halflings based on clan if you want right it gives you more options um and then the wood wood elves of laurel is a laurelin laurelorn right yeah but i could also be wrong but that's how i say it (laughs) but they you essentially have three different levels built in of options uh there too whether they're the city born or you know and uh there's even a special talent for the the most newer fringe uh levels called young bloods i think um so yeah that yeah no go ahead if you have something to talk about i I found that super interesting yeah no i just to say that i i really enjoyed that um section as well like uh, as it was coming in it was great um it's uh, and i like that deep dive into it because sometimes you can treat groups like like widows as a monolith and just be like this is what they're like but when you actually dive into, it, you're like, no, they have their own stratifications, and and I like I I like the very elven thing of like, oh, the people who've arrived here, in, you know, a few centuries ago, are oh, the new people, you know, they're they're just uh, <laughs> blow-ins um, at the moment, and you know, there's tensions that grow out of that, and I the goal was that like if you wanted to have a an a, just a, a an elf a wood elf campaign where you're all wood elves going around the lower lorn, dealing with those issues, and you know, being there. You could do that for like several sessions with the material that was there without feeling like you were, you know, things were running threadbare. Um, Absolutely. The, so I think it, it nicely, which is awesome. Yeah. Doesn't mean we won't get an elf book, but uh, I think for now that's like some really nice stuff in there. Elf book, elf book, and dwarf book. That would be, yeah, that's, for... that's on my bucket list to see. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So let's move on. We got a lot more stuff to cover. Shrines of Sigmar. So we talked before about uh, Monuments of the Reichland, which was awesome. And this is kind of in the similar vein, except uh, instead of like five monuments within the Reichland, we have five different Shrines of Sigmar. Um, very unique, very interesting um, pieces. Uh, and uh, I, I actually, uh, this is one of those things where, like it, it has kind of built-in secrets, in it, kind of like the monuments of the Reichland, which I just think is a great way to p- give you an option. It's almost like building a story hook within a story hook. So these are mysterious shrines from around the empire, and you can essentially they're designed to drop into any Warhammer campaign. So um, was it the the shrines of Sigmar? Uh, was it the same? I didn't. I got to have to go look at my notes. Was this the same writer that did your yes. monuments? Simon did both of those. Yeah, um, yeah, and we have a um, a third one to do at some point. Um, but Simon's been working on the enemy within with us. Uh, so the third one, I think, would be um, like five shops or stores with a similar. Uh, wow. And again, you know, they'd be like, here's the stuff they sell. And then the deep, dark secret. Ooh, um, so I think so they're nice. Cool. Yeah, I, I love them because you can have them there. And if they seem a bit interesting and players look into it, they feel you can weave the illusion that if they've done that anywhere, there was a deep secret happening. And right. you as a GM could have just come up with that. Um, so I like that. You know, it's a good one to play if you want to seem all-knowing and and super creative. Just have pepper in a few of these monuments and shrines and, and shops at some point in the future. Oh, I plan to. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm excited about the shop one. That's a cool concept. So that's out now, by the way. You can go get this PDF on drive through right now. Um, so that's a PDF only. 
Uh, we also had Altdorf. This was a big, huge relief that release that just happened um, a little bit ago. We intend to do an episode on the Altdorf book as well. Um, so I know uh, you just talked, Padraig, that you've already gathered a errata, and we're expecting to see an errata file soon. Yes, soon. Yep. Um, yeah, it probably should have been already. So sorry about that, but I will put it up shortly. <laughs> no problem. Um, so the Altdorf book is very similar in the vein as Middenheim. I won't repeat all the different sections because it's very, very similar. Though we did have a, a question on that of something that seemed uh, in the first city supplement, um, Middenheim included you know, rules for creating human characters from Middenheim. But we didn't see rules for creating an Altdorfer in the new Altdorf book. Um, so can you explain the design goals surrounding why this decision was made and how you determine like when, and I think we already talked about this, how you determine when a new species might be there, right? When we talked yeah. about that earlier. Yeah. So, so I guess the, the Altdorfer can, in, 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 in is there a des design goal that you decided to not have an Altdorfer in this book? Well, I suppose part of, like, so we covered Reichlanders, um, which is almost like the default setting. It is a default setting, essentially, fourth edition is the Reichland. Um, so we, we, I, I felt that like the, the, an Altdorfer is like a, Reichland, a Reichlander writ large, basically, and the, there wasn't necessarily be a need for that. Um, with Middenheim, you know, we, we, we needed a Middenheimer because you're far from the Reichland now. They're different. You know, the culture is a bit different. Therefore, you need a Middenheimer. We wanted to kind of highlight the difference between Middenland and Middenheim uh, in the current timeline. So we, hence, we wanted that. Uh, so we had a Middenlander as well. And then the Nordland was is a, a you know a major holding of um, the Graph of Middenheim. So therefore, it made sense to have Nordlanders covered as well. So it felt like that book gave you, you know, you could have multiple different people coming to Altdorf, and and you get the different backgrounds for them and have that reflected in the rules. Um, I do wonder maybe it was a misstep that I didn't have Altdorfers in. Um, like I said, I felt they were covered by Reichlanders. Maybe it's something I can go back and we can take another look at. Maybe as a like a, a blog post or PDF or something to, if people wanted uh, someone that was very different. But for the moment, I feel like the rules for creating a Reichlander character create a very convincing outdoor for two. Um, for sure. Yeah. So that's that's essentially it. My my current <laughs> thoughts on the matter. Excellent. All right. Um, and so we also release an Altdorf map, which is beautiful. Um, it is going to be a one size, um, which man, I tell you in America, it is so difficult to find poster frames that are a one. I don't know why. Yeah. There's no good size that works over the whole <laughs> world. Unfortunately, I'm afraid. Right. Um, yeah. So the, the Reichland map actually fits our poster size pretty well over here, but like the A1, for whatever reason, it's, it's a, uh, so it's driving me nuts because I have the Middenheim one and I'm struggling to find, like, I don't want to spend $60 on a, on a frame, oh, but I might have import to import a European frame. So yeah. that's for your map. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, it's still, I have the Middenheim one, uh, or the Midden, uh, yeah, Middenheim. It's beautiful. Altdorf, the map looks beautiful as well. So, um, you know, that's out. Check that out. But I know this next release, Kyle's super excited about. Ooh. So let, let, let you take it away. Yeah, which is funny because, like, maybe next time, uh, you know, I build a character, I build somebody that can use some of the spells found in Solacera's spells book. Um, it's a PDF only. But, uh, I mean, how many spells are in here? Like, Oh, that's a good 20? question because it's yeah. controversial. Uh, yeah, twenty-five spells. <laughs> oh, okay, see, there we go. So, 
but yeah, I mean, they have uh, spells from all of the lores except uh, one, which I was a little curious about. But you, I think you mentioned it a little bit. Uh, and again, if you can't mention anything specific, that's fine. But where, where's the witchcraft spells? <laughs> They're in a separate grimoire of, of horrific um, Thar-based witchcraft. Um, the, the, the idea for this book, the theme of it was that it, it's uh, an elf, perhaps a slightly naive uh, elf, who's a very diminished view of humans, uh-huh. felt that the poor, the poor scholars of the colleges were always throwing around fireballs and uh, similar you know, combat-related things, and they never got the time to learn proper, respectable utility magic um, that, you know, your average elf would probably learn as a matter of, of course, in their magical instruction. Um, so she wanted to, uh, you know, inform people with a few uh, extra spells. So that that's the conceit of the this PDF. Um, I, the lore of shadows is absolutely amazing. Like, I, I, I read through them all, and I... I had goosebumps reading the lore of shadows and just the cool stuff that I think you could do from just a role-playing perspective with those. I, I think that's great. That's great to hear. I, I did the writing on this one, so I'm really happy. Oh, <laughs> that's, did you? That's that's awesome. like, yeah. And then <laughs> some, some of them, a couple of them are like updated from earlier spells. because It's always worth going back to see what ground has been covered. But, you know, I love being sneaky with spells and kind of being, you know, like, well, the spell says I can put things back together. So maybe does that work for this as well? Or, you know, it, it's um, it's something that I wanted to get in there. And I think understandably, a lot of Warhammer's magic is focused on uh, combat and winning them, uh, you know, and I, I think the colleges were established with that, you know, very obviously in mind between techless to deal with the incursions of chaos and push those back. Um, so it makes perfect sense that a lot of spells are just that. But I also think, you know, with, with the thing about Wizards is it's great to have a little bit of um, magic that you can do in other circumstances, you know, role-playing uh, wise to kind of make yourself feel like I'm I'm useful. I do stuff. <laughs> right. Just um, yeah, exactly. Because how many times, you know, I mean, if you think about in, in, in you know, real life, if, if there was a witch, they wouldn't just, you know, like you said, do or, or a wizard even just throw out fireballs out of their hands there would be other things you know like the shadows of splendor yeah. you know turn yeah. turn a terrible you know a beat up weapon into something that looks like it's worth quite a bit of money and you know how useful would that be to a party so so ugh. i i just love see i think there's two things i love about this uh one is i actually think that these spells are almost more enticing than the spells in the core book um, I agree because most of them have very low casting numbers and are useful. Yep. There, it's like a it's like an upgraded petty spell list in some ways, but they're very unique and 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 fun. Um, but they also give you that sense that oh, these are safe spells, but they're not really any well, safer than anything. No, there's right? no safe, right? Yeah. So our our wizard miscast purifying water, right? That should should have never happened, but it did, and and it almost killed it. It almost died. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So. And yeah, and, and I will just say from you know I mentioned the Nordlander earlier. I am already looking forward to I wouldn't say looking forward to building a new character, but I just cannot get the idea of a Nordlander witch out of my head. I am so excited to baby step my way into magic of Warhammer. 
but we did have a question that um, we kind of touched on, but the description of the PDF says there were three spells of each of the eight lores of the Colors of Magic, but the Lore of Beast actually has four. Was that a mistake in production, or was that intentional? Perhaps, you know, the original list was a lot longer and you just couldn't cut it? Oh, yeah, so um, this is going to be a boring answer. Um, so uh, or- originally when I briefed it to myself, I was like, okay, take the eight lores, three spells each, 24 spells. That's good. That's a nice amount to give uh, in, in something of a scope. And, and I wrote it, and it was, yeah, yeah, it was done. And so I also <laughs> wrote the product blurb at the same time. And, and then when it went into layout, there was, like, the, the spells, the, the spells of the, the, the lore of beasts, for whatever reason, like came out a tiny bit shorter, and I had room for a fourth one, and I had I'd had an idea for a fourth one, and that's how you got a fourth spell. Hey, so there was no. I just I see that the the question was like, was the original list much larger, or has this been cut from? And I think the implication is like, is there other stuff we didn't get, or was it cut from the magic book? And it wasn't. Um, these are these were like themed of, of a certain type to differentiate them a bit, like from you know a more generalist of magic and. I came up with exactly 25 in the end, and that's what you got. Well, in a way, I mean, I'm sure you could make a list of a thousand spells if you really wanted to. So in a way, the list was much larger. But (laughs) In the sense that all lists could be infinitely long, I guess it was. was, Sounds a bit metaphysical. So you heard it here first, folks. There's a thousand spells. No. Um, No, there's... uh, But I think it's very clear that Podrick favors Amber Magic over all others, so... No, I'm just kidding. Just yeah, I just want to turn into a bear. What can I say? <laughs> Dude, that sounds so awesome. Oh, then here again, druid, druid class incoming. <laughs> All right, let's move <laughs> no. on. Let's move yeah, yeah, on. Exactly. Yep. All right. So we got patrons of the old world um, that came out in PDF, and patrons of the old world too. They came out in PDF. Both of those. Um, Actually, I, my, my notes need to be updated. Patrons just came out. Um, patron 2 just came out. Patron 1 is already mm-hmm. out um, before. And these are essentially NPCs that you can that are built in with plot hooks and ultimate goals and secret goals that can be an aid or hindrance to your characters. Um, I think this is a really cool concept because one thing that I sometimes run into as a GM as a problem is... I have this great idea, but how do I get my players invested? And having, like, you think of a, like a military-type campaign, it's super easy because you get orders from down on high, and that's how your adventure starts, right? But essentially, that's the concept of a patron, right? So somebody you're going to to connect with that's essentially, I don't want to say a mission giver, but... It's essentially kind of like the quest giver, except it's much more in-depth and much more sinister um, in some cases. So, um, and they're very fleshed out. So I think that would be my description. Um, would you add anything to that, Padraig? Um, no, I think you've covered it really well there. I, I suppose the goal with patrons specifically was to create NPCs that were like a little um, punchier than your average denizen <laughs> of the old world. Um, so that it made sense they were telling, you know, that there'd be someone you'd go to for, that would be telling you what to do in, in, a, in that kind of like mission giving scenario that you, as you described. Um, but also, I, I, it's kind of intended as like permission to tell bigger stories if you want to. Mm. Um, you know, like it's great to start in the mud and the blood, but you know, like, it, it's nice as well to kind of go, oh, what if we change something though? And you you can never take the grim out of the world. You know, it is what it is. Um, the the Warhammer world is 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 lethal and doesn't care for you. But you know, there are moments, uh, maybe mirroring, you know, some things that would happen in Black Library books, for example, where 
small groups can make big impacts. And, you know, if you want to run that kind of game, um, I hopefully patrons is permission to say, yeah, go for it. You know, uh, if you want to take down, uh, you know, the graph or of a major city, maybe that's something that could be achieved, for that's, example. That's awesome. All right. Sure. So the next item on the list is Cluster I Tribe, um, which is a deep dive into the Cluster I Tribe featuring new goblin foes with detailed stat blocks, tactics, and goals um, that's releasing in the next coming weeks. Uh, we had some great artwork from that uh, article by uh, Dave yeah. Allen. Um, I think that was uh, the tease to this. Um, I, man, I have so many questions, and I, and I know this is just going to be a, a PDF release, um, but, like, you know, why just focus on a simple tribe? Like, you know would it be better to have a whole green skin book that allows you to build your own tribes? Like, like, I guess, let me yeah. boil it down. Like, why did you decide to go this route? I'm to be clear. I'm super excited for this, but why did you decide to go this route for the PDF? Well, because you're right. It will be better to have a book of orcs and goblins. Um, and that's something that's, you know, we have planned, um, not for this year. I think it's probably a next year thing in PDF at least, but you know, the, the super don't quote me on that one. It's, it's just, but it is something that we've planned. So the, it's a, to go back to why the PDFs are nice and to why we focus so much, it's kind of not to rob the, the, the um, not to, you know, steal from what really should be in a, um, a larger book, basically. So I think, we, like, we want a, a book dealing with Orc and Goblet Tribes that talks about them, you know, properly and, like, what it means when they start, like, when a WA starts to build, how bad that is, um, how that happens, you know, how, like really dive into their culture, get into, you know, the very nitty gritty of what kind of funguses are important. Um, you know, like do, uh -huh. do that really good source book and let, and give you the gold rules there for creating your own groups. Yeah. Your own tribes. Your own. So have that there, but then, you know, if we want to do some stuff now that kind of supports, um, slightly more in-depth, uh, you know, exploration of, of, of groups like goblins and, um, you know, I think ogres would be the next one that we would do uh, after this. Um, so do do that, be able to do a really deep dive. And by doing a deep dive into just the cluster I tribe, who are just like a, you know, a relatively small tribe in one location, one specific relationship, um, you know, to their eight-legged gods, let's say, deal with them in a nice deep dive and then keep the general thing for a book mm. so that you have your bigger, you know, nice detailed book as well. So that's why we d dived in so deeply to cluster I tribe. Um, it's to avoid stepping on, on stuff that should be elsewhere. My my um, smile is so big right now, Padre. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> oh, we're well. We're we got a couple more things just, real quick. Like real quick, rapid yeah. fire. Let's go real go, quick. So me. archives too. I know that's coming out. The one thing that we had that um, we're supposed to learn some about ogres, um, and that's expected for Q3 PDF. Um, pretty excited about that. Anything you can tell us on on archives? Uh, yeah, so you've got your ogre stuff, um, everything you need for ogre PCs. Uh, a little bit of GM advice on how to manage that, um, basically as well. Um, so you've got your kind of like split chapter where you've got one talking about um, ogre PCs specifically, and then the other one talking about like the o ogre culture a little bit more broadly. So that you have kind of content there for GMs and for um, the players. So some player options. Um, we've got a few other nice things in there. Um, the cover art's done and it's lovely. Uh, we're kind of keeping that theme from the first one, so you can, when you see the cover art, you can kind of like find little hints Ooh, as to okay. what's inside. Uh -huh. um, we're touching back onto 
what other elements are in there? So we've got a little bit on uh, a specific location, a the the Great Hospice, which fans of first edition will remember. So that's been kind of dived into a little bit more deeply and expanded a little bit. And there's some nice maps there, and it's got a, a again some interesting NPC um, members of staff and residents, and loads of plot hooks to do with them as well. Um, and we've got a little bit of extra character creation stuff to do with your star mm. sign. Um, so you can pick a star sign now <laughs> at the beginning of your career if you want. And the star sign gives you a small buff to one star and a small negative to another one. Awesome. Wow. That sounds sick. That it's, sounds it's probably, so good. So there's a bunch of min-maxers out there right now who are like, yes, excellent. Yeah, so there's there's some nice little bits there and then you get a couple of role-playing hints in there as well. So it, it's a way, it should give you like a nice rulesy thing and also if you're kind of like, God, what kind of a character do you want to be? You can read through some of those horoscope style things and um and you know you've also got the lore a little bit of what they the what um denizens of the old world think of the stars they see in their sky because we hear a lot about the moons for obvious reasons right um but you know there's also this a nice deep history of star signs and Wolfram too that's so. awesome be cool to go back to that and yeah some other stuff in there as well that's you know it's nice to keep some things as a surprise sure sure um gosh that's man gosh i'm so I'm just so happy right now. Okay, so let's let's move on because I know we we're running out of time here. The Imperial Zoo, this this is the one that around our gaming table gets talked about the most. Um, I understand it's in early stages of graphic design. I know T. S. Lucart, um, who wrote the amazing second edition B series, um, uh, did a lot of the writing on this. Um, so art is underway. We're expecting this also in Q3. Uh, it sounds like Q3 is going to be a busy quarter for you, Padraig. Yes. <laughs> um, and I just, so I'm, we have so many, we have a lot of questions on this and I don't want to take too much time on this or whatever, but um, I guess one of the big ones that people are asking is, are, can we expect similarities, any similarities to the second edition bestiary? Because that's held up as this, you know, golden, one of the best series ever produced for any role-playing game. Um, you know, and we had, Lots of things like slaughters, margins, you know, different viewpoints from the scholar versus, you know, common folk. Can you talk yeah. to any of that um, at all? I, I know it's it's early still. Yeah, no, a little bit. I mean, the writing is complete. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's I really enjoy it. Basically. I think it's a great I think it's going to be a great book. When I spoke to TS about it, and I mean, you should get him on here and he would be very happy to talk about it. But when we when we pit, we kind of outlined it to begin with. Um, TS felt that the older Beast theory was was pretty good. You know, um, I I, uh, I think it did hit all the right notes for the type of book that it needed to be. Um, so he felt he had done something like he had been part of like a really good team there and come up with this like really great book. And if he was going to go back and do another bestiary, we could have just updated that one, but we wanted to do something that was um, just as memorable and interesting in its own right. Uh, and that, that was like a bit different from that. So we took some elements, which was this kind of scholar's view, um, you know, as they wrote about their experiences with that creature and they gave their own kind of insight and often quite like funny insight into how to deal with it. So you have the skaven, it's just like, here's the type of poison you use effectively to kill it. <laughs> That's how I think about things. Right. Um, you know, and you had the, the other interesting points of view, but what we're getting with this one is it's, 
kind of like a travelogue um, of various expeditions that were undertaken on, on behalf of the Imperial Zoo uh, across the Empire and beyond and the creatures that they ran into there. Um, and you have these characters who are um, will also be pregens, like full started out pregens with their own secrets and everything. So I think awesome. people like those and we have that there. Uh, and you have the story of their their travels as they like, you know, you've got this one writer, um, Theodosius Schreiber, who's writing up the or Schreiber who's writing up the uh the history of the encounter, what they ran into and how that went. Um and then, you know, you have the game elements alongside that. So the the, the more in game or the more like I don't know how to game, like the rules essentially for the creature um and exactly how to use it and what it can do. So I yeah, I I think it's very exciting. It is a bit different. Um but we wanted to do something a bit different. We we're aiming for that and I hope people like it. Uh, I love it. So Here's 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 hoping. Uh, so I, I see. The, just to dive into the other question, there, um, someone was asking about like, is it toolbox or is it more ready to use? It's ready to use. Um, you've everything in there that you like. It's a fully started out creature, and in a lot of cases, what we've got is like, say we're doing a wyvern because we've already done that. I don't want to uh, you know give give hints to, to what we're doing, but say we're doing a wyvern, we have like the standard wyvern, uh, who's who's like one you might run into somewhere, and then in a lot of cases, we also have an infamous wyvern, like someone that's haunted Ooh. a particular swamp on the edge of the Drakwal for a while and is like very dangerous. Or very <laughs> Yeah, so you have the those you have that kind of like stat box of here's a particular one as well. So but they're both totally finished to use. I mean you have our permission to use it as a toolbox and edit these things and so on, but they're ready to go as they are. That's that sounds awesome. Uh, he was stabbed by the sword of like a Bretonian knight who died in the attempt, and the spirit has lingered on the sword. Oh. So doesn't want anyone else to kill the wyvern because it's you know it's, it's his. So wyvern. awesome! And you oh. just you know you're, you're in trouble, uh, my friend. <laughs> I know. Um, can we? I just want to touch on one other question real quick because um, this is something that I've often thought about. Uh, will we get a critical mass of additional materials and other books that we might ha- uh, get, like a more mechanically focused book, like a career compendium, magic supplement, anything like that? Yeah. So the focus for next year uh, is a couple of region guides and then mostly player focused stuff, which is player options books. Awesome. Um, so we've one. Uh, so the magic book I kind of include in that area more or less. It's a bit GM focused, but really it's like full of player stuff, you know, spells and, and careers for players to use. Um, but on top of that, we'll want something that's focused on more military careers uh, and expands those out. And then probably something with like rogues and rangers and similar mm. options, you know, to use those class titles um, and then to dive into individual careers. So, yeah, you'll be getting that uh, next year. Awesome. That's awesome. Don't kill me until that comes out, Lance, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. So, um, the uh, I guess one other question here. Um, was on uh, is, is there a I guess, and this is more of a personal question. Um, is there any mm-hmm. region or topic in the Warhammer world that you're looking for or want to work on that hasn't been covered before? Oh, um, yes, there's there's one I can talk about and one I can't. I guess. Ooh. Um, yeah. So there's, you'll have to be back on for the 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 one that's my real thing that I've always wanted to do and hopefully it'll be back on to go like we're doing it um but so, so there's there's you know because there's always like questions of to do with you know lore mm-hmm. and what's being covered and, and we also have um I mean the 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 old world what GW are doing there is going to inform a little bit of what we're doing as well because we we'll want to be kind of 
in sync, you know, with their plans. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. I think Kislev should be hit. You know, I think we should do Kislev. Um, the one I'd really like to do is Lustria. And that's, I mean, we've there's pressure from fans. There's pressure from, you know, some people in GW have been like, so when are you doing Lustria for our, for my game? You know? Yeah. So it's, it's. Uh, I think I think we should definitely go to Lustria. I think that's, you know, they're close, pretty close to a no-brainer in terms of um, regions. Oh, Steve, um, Steve and I have both been Lizardman players in the battle game. Um, so we are both very much looking forward to that. So there, I, if, yeah, assuming it happens, that, right? We're not holding you. To I, I think yeah, no, 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 totally. Um, th- but that one has seemed you know the stars appear to be aligning, so that that would be one that would be great to do. Um, yeah. Awesome. So you ask for personal questions. I'm going to give a personal answer. Yeah. Which is, if I get to work on that one, I'll be very happy. And then there's the other secret one. That's a secret. Okay. So hopefully that happens too. <laughs> All right, so I think our last question here um, in, is uh, oh, we had a question from Michael again asking about um, – so I'm going to read his question. I think I understand what he's getting at. But in a previous interview with Graham Davis, your associ- association program with Fligus was mentioned, uh, FLGS, Friendly Local Gaming Store. Mm. Is this available in Europe? And if so, who should the, core contact, uh, the store contact? I'm thinking that his his question is referring to bricks and mortar that that we have with the PDFs. Yes, I think it's um, isn't it bits and mortar? I bits and mortar. What did I say? Bricks and mortar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. That's right. Bits and mortar. That, that is the phrase they're riffing on. I'm sure, but yeah. Yeah. Um, do, um, is there a is there a European version of it? I guess it didn't occur to me that you couldn't do this anywhere. I think you can do. I think it's just bits and mortar everywhere. Um. I, you know, I'm the wrong person for the question, I'm afraid. Um, but I'm pretty sure Bits and Mortar works wherever. And you just need to Google Bits and Mortar and mm-hmm. to get you, your store can get in touch with them there. And there's various options for how the store deal with that, like whether they, but the store can actually keep it all in-house. So they can do that sale, get your get your email address at the time and send you the PDF immediately yeah. as well. Yeah. So I, I can speak yeah. from personal experience on this. Um, back before I moved in my local FLGS closed down, um, my, my Fligus, I would pre-order pay up front and then get the PDF as soon as the PDF released. So I wouldn't get it any later than anyone else that P- ordered directly from cubicle seven. And then I would get my core book through the store helping to support them. So we'll yeah. include uh, a link to bits and mortar in our show notes. Um, so if you're looking to learn more about them, it's a great program and ask if your if your F, if your Fligus, uh, as we call it here is not um, on the list, talk to them about it. They can register um, and be able to get on the list and it will probably help their sales. So um, it's a win-win situation. All right, folks, that's the end of our show tonight. Um, thank you again, Padraig, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, in our next discussion episode, um, the plan is archives. We've been trying to get archives done. We're going to try to talk archives. We might have a special guest for that. We've been lining up several, several, Our for whatever reason, archives has been this episode that we just cannot lock down. Um, we've literally scheduled it, and I'm not exaggerating, three or four times here. Um, you just the stars has them aligned so um, that's our plan archives should be our next episode for that and we got more actual play coming soon uh, we just finished editing up an actual play episode so we're going to be getting that out the door um, so uh, be on the lookout lots more to come oh intrepid listeners keep in touch let us know your questions feedback and even show topic suggestions 
You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com. We're on Twitter at Old World Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash oldworldpodcast. And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help out, become a patron. For a couple dollars a month, you can help support the show and get some cool rewards too. Check us out at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. We also have a store there too where you can get some cool merchandise, oldworldpodcast.com slash store. Also, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. This is Lance saying goodnight, and may your star sign be the right star sign. This is Kyle, and have a good day, Old Worlders. This is Podrick saying goodnight, and may all of your pearls be grim. <laughs> awesome. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW, Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC. 